Section 25 of The Living Animals of the World, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shashank Jakhmula. The Living Animals of the World, Volume 1, Mammals, by Charles Lewis Cornish. Editor, The Bears. The American Black Bear. This is the smallest North American species and perhaps the most harmless. It seldom weighs more than 400 pounds, its coat is short and glossy, and its flesh, especially in autumn, is esteemed for food. The early blackwoodsmen found it a troublesome neighbor. The bears likened Indian corn and were not averse to a young pig. Like the deer, says Audubon, it changes its horns with the seasons and for the same reason viz the desire of obtaining food during the spring months it searches for food in the low alluvial lands that border the rivers or by the margins of the inland lakes there it procures abundance of succulent roots and of the tender juicy stems of plants upon which it chiefly feeds at that season during the summer heat it enters the gloomy swamps and passes much of its time in wallowing in the mud like a hawk, and contents itself with crayfish, roots, and nettles. Now and then, when hard-pressed by hunger, it seizes a young pig, or perhaps a sow or calf. As soon as the different kinds of berries ripen, the bear betake themselves to the high grounds, followed by their cubs. In much retired parts of the country, where there are no hilly grounds, it pays visits to the maize fields which it ravages for a while after this the various kinds of nuts and grapes acorns and other forest fruits attract its attention the black bear is then seen wandering through the woods to gather this harvest not forgetting to rob every tree which it comes across the indian sloth bear few people would believe that this awkward and ugly beast is so formidable as it is it is the commonest Indian species, seldom eats flesh, prefers sucking up the contents of a white ant's nest to any other meal, and is not very large. From 200 pounds to 300 pounds is the weight of a male. But the skull and jaws are very strong, and the claws long and curved, as they are used almost like a pickaxe when the bear wishes to dig in the hardest soil. Their effect upon the human body can be imagined. Sir Samuel Baker says that there are more accidents to natives of India and Ceylon from this species than from any other animal. Mr. Watts-Jones writes an interesting account of his sensations while being bitten by one of these bears. I was following up a bear which I had wounded and rashly went to the mouth of a cave to which it had got. It charged. I shot, but failed to stop it. I do not know exactly what happened next, neither does my hunter who was with me, but I believe, from the marks in the snow, that in his rush the bear knocked me over backwards, in fact knocked me three or four feet away. When next I remembered anything, the bear's weight was on me, and he was biting my leg. He bit two or three times. I felt the flesh crush, but I felt no pain at all. It was rather like having a tooth out with gas. I felt no particular terror, though I thought the bear had got me, but in a hazy sort of way I wondered when he would kill me, and thought what a fool I was to get killed by a stupid beast like a bear. 
The shikari then very pluckily came up and fired a shot into the bear and he left me. I felt the weight lift off me and got up. I did not think I was much hurt. The main wound was a flap of flesh torn out of the inside of my left thigh and left hanging. It was fairly deep and I could see all the muscles working underneath when I lifted it up to clean the wound. This anecdote was sent to Mr. J. Crowther Hurst to illustrate a theory of his that the killing of wild animals by other animals is not a painful one. Rustam Basha, once Turkish ambassador in England, had an accident when brown bears shooting in Russia and writes of it in the same sense. When I met the accident alluded to, the bear injured both my hands but did not tear off part of the arm or shoulder. In the moment of desperate struggle, the intense excitement and anger did, in fact, render me insensible to the feeling of actual pain as the bear gnawed my left hand, which was badly torn and perforated with holes, most of the bones being broken. There is a good reason to believe that when large carnivora, or beasts large in proportion to the size of the victims, strike and kill them with a great previous shock, the sense of pain is deadened. Not so if the person or animal is seized quietly. Then the pain is intense, though sometimes only momentary. A tigress seized Mr. J. Hansard, a forest officer in Ceylon, by the neck. In describing his sensations afterwards, he said, The agony I felt was something frightful. My whole skull seemed as if it were being crushed to atoms in the jaws of the great brute. I certainly felt the most awful pain as she was biting my neck, but not afterwards, if I can remember. Sir Samuel Baker says he has twice seen the sloth bear attack a howdah elephant. Lord Edward St. Moore, son of the Duke of Somerset, was killed by one. Mr. Sanderson, the head of the government elephant-catching department, used to hunt bears in the jungle with bull terriers. Against these, the bear was unable to make a good fight. They seized it by the nose, and, as its claws were not sharp like those of the leopard, the bear could not get them off. This bear seldom produces more than two or three young at a birth. The young cub is very ugly, but very strong, especially in the claws and legs. A six-weeks-old cub has been turned upside down in a basket, which was shaken violently without dislodging the little animal clinging inside. The Isabellian Bear and Himalayan Black Bear The former animal is a medium-sized variety of the brown bear. The coat in winter is of a beautiful silver-tipped cinnamon color. The Himalayan Black Bear has a half-moon of white on its throat. The habits of both do not differ markedly from those of the brown bear of Europe. Recently, black bears have been most troublesome in Kashmir, attacking and killing and wounding the woodcutters with no provocation. Dr. E. T. Vere, writing from Srinagar, says, Every year we have about half a dozen patients who have been mauled by bears. Most of our people who are hurt are villagers or shepherds. Bears have been so shot at in Kashmir that, although not naturally very fierce, they have become truculent. When they attack men, they usually sit up and knock the victim over with a paw. They then make one or two bites at the arm or leg and often finish up with a snap at the head. This is the most dangerous part of the attack. One of our fatal cases this year was a boy, the vault of whose skull was torn off and lacerated. 
another man received a compound fracture of the cranium a third had the bones of his face smashed and lacerated he had an axe but said when the bear sat up my courage failed me the malayan sun bear these small smooth-coated bears have a yellow throat patch like a mustard plaster and are altogether the most amusing and comical of all the tribe they are almost as smooth as a pointer dog and are devoted to all sweet substances which can be a substitute for honey their main delicacy when wild there are always a number of these bears at the zoo incessantly begging for food when one gets a piece of sugar he cracks it into small pieces sticks them on the back of his paw and licks the mess until the paw is covered with sticky syrup which he eats with great gusto this bear is found in the malay peninsula borneo sumatra and java it is only four feet high or sometimes half a foot taller it is more in the habit of walking upright than any other species the polar bear ice bear is the better name for this the most interesting in its habits of all the bears it is an inhabitant of the lands of polar darkness and intense cold and one of the very few land animals which never try to avoid the terrible ordeal of the long arctic night which rolls on from month to month it can swim and dive nearly as well as a seal climbs the icebergs and goes voyages on the drifting ice floating hundreds of miles on the polar currents and feeding on the seals which surround it of the limits of size of the ice bear it is impossible to speak with certainty from the skins brought to this country the size of some of them must be enormous one which lived for more than thirty years at a zoo was of immense length and bulk when the first discoverers went to the arctic seas dressed in thick clothes and skins the polar bears took them for seals on bear island below spitzbergen a dutch sailor sat down on the snow to rest a bear walked up behind him and seized and crushed his head evidently not in the least aware of what kind of animal it had got hold of when the jackson harmsworth expedition was wintering in franz joseph land the bears were a positive nuisance they were not afraid of man and used to come round the huts at all hours the men shot so many that they formed a valuable article of food for the dogs the flesh is said to be unwholesome for men the power of these bears in the water is wonderful though so bulky they are as light as a cork when swimming and their strong broad feet are first-class paddles whenever a dead whale is found near the shore the polar bears assemble to feed upon it in the various searches for the franklin expedition they pulled to pieces nearly all the cabins erected to hold provisions for the sledge parties in one case it was found that the bears had amused themselves by mounting the roof of a half-buried hut and sliding down the snowy frozen slope cubs are often brought home in whaling and sealing ships after the mothers have been shot there is a ready sale of them for continental menageries herr hegenbeck of hamburg by purchasing them quite young has induced bears to live on good terms with tigers boarhounds and leopards the maneuvers of an ice bear in the water are marvelous to watch though so bulky a beast it swims dives rolls over and over catches seal or fish or plays both on and under the water with an ease and evident enjoyment which show that it is in its favorite element one favorite game of the ice bear is to lie on its back in the water and then to catch hold of its hind toes with its four feet 
when it resembles a half-rolled hedgehog of gigantic size. It then rolls over and over in the water like a revolving cask. Its footsteps are absolutely noiseless, as the claws are shorter than in the land bears and more muffled in fur. This noiseless power of approach is very necessary when it has to catch such very creatures as basking seals. A very large proportion of the food formerly eaten by ice bears in summer was probably putrid, as they were always supplied with the quantity of the refuse carcasses of whales and seals left by the whaling ships. This may account for the bad results to the sailors who ate the bear's flesh. Now, the whaling industry is so little pursued that the bears have to catch their dinners for themselves and eat fresh food. The Arctic explorer Nordenskjold saw much of the ice bears on his voyages and left us what is perhaps the best description of their attempts to stalk men, mistaking them for other animals. When the polar bear observes a man, he writes in his Voyage of the Vega, he commonly approaches him as a possible prey with supple movements and a hundred zigzag bends in order to conceal the direction he means to take and to prevent the man feeling frightened. During his approach, he often climbs up onto blocks of ice or raises himself on his hind legs in order to get a more extensive view. If he thinks he has to do with a seal, he creeps or trails himself forward on the ice and is then said to conceal with his four paws the only part of his body that contrasts with the white colour of the snow, his large black nose. If the man keeps quite still, the bear comes in this way so near that it can be shot at the distance of two gun lengths or killed with a lance, which the hunters consider safer. When a vessel lies at anchor, a polar bear sometimes swims out to it to inspect the visiting ship. It also has a special fancy for breaking open and searching stores of provisions, boats abandoned and covered over, and cabins of wrecked ships. One bear, which had looted a provision depot, was found to have swallowed a quantity of sticking plaster. The ice bear has been met swimming at a distance of 80 miles from land and with no ice in sight. This shows how thoroughly aquatic its habits and powers are. Polar bears do not hug their victims, like the brown bear, but bite and use their immense feet and sharp claws. It has been said that when one catches a seal on the ice, it will play with it as a cat does with a mouse. The size of these bears vary very much. Seven or eight feet from the tip of the nose to the tail is the usual length, yet they have been known to exceed even 13 feet in length. This would correspond to an immense difference in bulk and weight. An ice bear was once found feeding on the body of a white whale 15 feet in length and weighing 3 or 4 tons. The whale could not have got on to the ice by itself and it is difficult to imagine that any other creature except the bear could have dragged it there from the sea where it was found floating. When hunting seals, polar bears will chase them in the water as an otter does a fish but with what result is not known. Besides stalking them in the manner described above, they will mark the place at which seals are basking on the rim of an ice floe and then dive and come up just at the spot where the seal would naturally drop into the water. Those shot for the sake of their skins are nearly all killed when swimming in the sea. The hunters mark a bear on an ice floe and approach it. The bear always tries to escape by swimming and is pursued and shot through the head from the boat. When the females have a cub or cubs with them, they will often attack persons or boats which molest them, otherwise they do not willingly interfere with man, except, as has been said above, 
when they mistake men for seals or other natural prey the instances recorded of the affection shown by these animals for their young are somewhat pathetic when the carcass frigate which was engaged on a voyage of arctic discovery was locked in the ice a she-bear and two cubs made their way to the ship attracted by the scent of the blubber of a walrus which the crew had killed a few days before they ran to the fire and pulled off some of the walrus flesh which remained unconsumed the crew then threw them large lumps of the flesh which were lying on the ice which the old bear fetched away singly and laid before her cubs as she brought it dividing it and giving each a share and reserving but a small portion for herself as she was fetching away the last piece the sailors shot both the cubs dead and wounded the dam although she could only just crawl to the place where the cubs lay she carried the lump of flesh which she had last fetched away and laid it before them and when she saw that they refused to eat laid her paws on them and tried to raise them up moaning pitifully when she found she could not stir them she went to some distance and looked back and then returned pawing them all over and moaning finding at last that they were lifeless she raised her head towards the ship and uttered a growl when the sailors killed her with a volley of musket balls end of section 25